0: And gone out in the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And then he comes back from the wilderness and begins to teach. And this is that story. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. I invite you to follow along. We'll put it on the screen as I read it aloud. And then when I finish reading it, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And you all respond, thanks be to God. All right, Luke 4, verses 14 through 19. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's some language in there that may not be familiar to us moderns like Sabbath and synagogue. It it helps us to know them. But if we were going to tell this story in a more modern vernacular, what we might say is Jesus went to church that Sunday and read the Bible out loud to the people. I wonder... If they were expecting to see the Christ that day. When they got together, got the people, got their offering, and went over to the synagogue. Bishop Tom Berlin in his book, Courage, says the people probably wanted their synagogue to be a shelter. From everything going on in the world, a place where things calmed down, not spun up. He says most people think of worship as spa time rather than a time to receive marching orders. Do you ever go to church? Expecting Jesus to be there and to say something to you. What we hear from Jesus in this story is clarity. Clarity about his purpose, his identity, his life. Berlin calls this passage Jesus' mission statement. In the interpreter commentary, Carol Lakey Hess calls it the center of the gospel. So it's fitting that we would come to this passage in the season of Lent. Because Lent has historically been for followers of Jesus for the church a time of recentering of reflecting of introspection of realigning our own lives with that of the life of Christ with the gospel and that kind of introspection Reflection, repentance, realigning takes courage. My hope over this Lenten season is that we're going to build together a picture of courage for us as followers of Jesus, maybe even build some courageous Christians. For our world today, followers of Jesus who would identify with his purpose, with his mission, with his identity, with a courage that only comes from clarity clarity about who we are and who Jesus is, about his purpose and intentions and ours. Clarity about our identity, our way of living and being, the very root of what moves us and drives us. That it would be more than a hobby or just a passing interest like driving in the rain and calling it a car wash. (laughs) Sliding through this place on some Sundays, hoping To at least knock the top layer off with some Jesus. But rather than that, for our lives of faith to be purposeful, to be full of purpose and intention. And with clarity, we orient our lives our labors, our loves to the gospel, to Christ. And whatever we understand to be central to the gospel is then how we will orient our living. And clarity enables courage. And courage is required for this kind of reorienting. Of who we are. Not unlike Jesus. Who was tempted in the desert. In the wilderness. Before he came to the synagogue. Before he went to church. To read the Bible. He faced temptation. And he said no to the temptations of possessions. And power. And prestige. So that he could say yes. To who he was born to be. That type of saying no so that he could say yes. That type of sacrifice is foundational to our understanding of the practice of Lent. Sacrifice. Saying no. So that we can say yes. Saying no to trying to get your God to work for you. So that you can say yes to going to work for God. With urgency and compassion. And Jesus' clarity bred courage within him to be who he was created to be. Ernest Hess says we need the moral courage to listen to the intention of God for humanity as Jesus proclaims it. And what did Jesus proclaim? came for the poor, to bring freedom to the imprisoned and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to declare the year of God's favor. For Jesus, courage was bravery and boldness to care for the least and the marginalized, not to export them or censor their story from our historical consciousness. He gave that clarity of mission then to his friends, to his followers, to the disciples. Last Sunday, you heard that story proclaimed among us here from Acts chapter 1. When Jesus sent his disciples to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth with his mission you also got to hear george hall and some from our international mission team share how they have experienced and lived that out and coupled with that an invitation to us all not only to be a part of that international missional effort in whatever way but to be a part of living out the mission of god the mission of the church right where we are and when you hear people share with such clarity encourage what God has called them to, who they've been called to be. I don't know about you but I can't help but be inspired by that. Some um, some of a transcript of a talk that was given about 15 years ago to the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA, the PCUSA by Joan Gray came across my screen this week and I want to share something I read in that with you. Jones said when you think about it the power of the Holy Spirit is the only thing the early church had going for it. It had no buildings, it had no budget, it had no staff, it had no members. And now the opposite situation may be facing us. We have buildings. We have budgets. We have staff. We have members. But do we have the power of the Holy Spirit? And how can we know if we do? We may be tempted to ask, how are we doing As a church. When the real question for us to ask is what are we doing as a church for God? I give so much thanks for the leadership of this church. Uh, We just met for the administrative board. And in that board meeting we had conversation about clarity around who we are and who we're going to be this year in particular, what God is calling us to. And we developed an identity around growth, growing our church deep and wide. And we set goals for our church around growth, growing specifically in areas of hospitality, being hospitable to our neighbors and to people who may stick their toe in this water for the first time at Shambly Methodist. Growing in our discipleship, adding to the number of people who spend time intentionally studying and learning about the faith and how we live it out together, and growing in mission. How many among us give of ourselves at some point during the year to help meet the needs of other people? And the leadership of this church sets some goals for us to aspire to with clarity. And if you haven't already been invited, you will soon be invited to be a part of aspiring to those goals together as a congregation. Whether it be being hospitable to folks in some intentional way on behalf of your church or spending time in study. And developing and growing your own faith, or in missional efforts and outreach and opportunities through your church. And okay, now I'm going back off script, kind of like when I tried to send the kids off when, uh, when we weren't intended to. I got to tell you something beautiful that was shared in our administrative board meeting, and and he doesn't know I'm going to quote him, so I won't tell you his name, George Hall. But he said, um, (laughs) we were talking about worship. Just this very experience and how we're doing worship this year. The blessings, the challenges, and all of it. And, and George, I, it was just downright profound that he shared in that meeting that in a world that is so divided, we have so many influences and things in our lives and sometimes even that creep into our spirits that are divisive. That for this congregation... To be able to bring different styles of worship together at one time, in one place, in one room. Just the very willingness to do that and deal with whatever uncomfortability or uncertainty or lack of personal preference meeting that comes with it. For us to be willing to do that together is a witness and a testimony to our world. That we believe with clarity comes courage to be who god called us to be and our world needs now some witness to unity to the power of the holy spirit of god to bring us together in the name of jesus with and in spite of whatever might separate us or divide us that we can bring it all so when somebody says to you Oh, what are y'all doing at church? Oh, y'all are doing that? And that never works. People used to try that. Are you sure you like that? You can certainly go, well, I don't care for this or that. But but surely the clarity and courage of the Spirit of God would then lead you to say, but you know what? That's not what's most important. (laughs) What's most important is what Jesus is calling us to do and be for the world. And we're doing that. We're going to be about that. The story says that the last thing Jesus did when he read that scroll. When he said, I have come to set the captives free. I have come to care for the marginalized, the poor, the oppressed. I have come to declare the year of the Lord's favor For all, the last thing he did is he sat down and it says all eyes were on him. Because there's a good chance they didn't go to the synagogue that day expecting for the Christ to show up and speak. But they heard him. Oh, to hear the voice of the Christ, the Savior, Jesus. And all eyes were fixed on him. Their minds had to be spinning, blown. And he said to them, this scripture is fulfilled today in your hearing. In a moment, he told them who he was, his mission in the world, with clarity what he had come to do, what he was about, what he was doing in and among them. And then sure enough, he called them to that same mission. Church, this scripture is being fulfilled today in your hearing. May it be true of us at Shambly for the world. And when we come to this table, this communion table, don't we come seeking clarity? About who we are and whose we are? Don't we come looking for some courage to be who God created us to be? And don't we come with faith to know that as we do, as we share in this meal, as we receive the blood and body of Jesus Christ, the juice and the bread, that He meets us here, that He meets our needs and gives us the courage to be who He made us to be for the world. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to that experience together to share in this communion meal. And to do so, I want to ask you to join me in our communion liturgy, we're going to put it on the screen.